Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today's episode is Coach's Corner. We have not done one of these for a very, very long time. So today is volume 30, and we are very lucky to have both Jane and Dallas on today's podcast. So guys, how are we? Pretty good. How are you? Amazing. So I know a lot of things have changed since we last came on. Um, and I know these topics are kind of coming in up like a lot in kind of check-ins and talking to coach to like clients on a daily basis and stuff like that. And I know the first topic is something that Jane has kind of wants to kind of talk about and address uh for kind of a little while. So I think this is the perfect medium and perfect way to kind of talk about it. So it's kind of like talking about the unpicking. Uh, the unconditional permission to eat and i think a lot of people get confused what this actually means and then don't know where to go it's kind of like they get paralyzed or what to look at so jane i'm gonna let you take this away and kind of like describe what it means to you and then we'll kind of go down little rabbit holes like we always do do love an hour rabbit hole <laughs> so like unconditional permission to eat there is a lot of confusion around it, and it's something it's a term and a phrase that's thrown around a lot. And I know it's something that I've used a lot with clients. And initially it can be met with so much confusion and misunderstanding and understandably so. Like there's reasoning behind why people get confused by it. And what unconditional permission to eat means to me is like, it's giving yourself the freedom of choice to eat what pleases your palate and as much food, as much as you need to satisfy your body and um, but you're doing this without any judgment you're not going to compensate with over exercise or restriction you know it is just that unconditional permission to eat what pleases your palate and also what fuels your body and is enough to satisfy your hunger um, and I think confusion really stems from this notion that unconditional permission to eat like unconditional equals mindless, that if you give yourself unconditional permission to eat what you want, you are going to eat with abandon. You're going to eat everything. You're going to just like want to eat all around you. And this is something that I hear back quite a lot when I initially introduced the idea of it to, to some, some of my clients and things like that. And I think it's kind of, there's this bit of a permission paradox, I think is a good way to kind of phrase it. And there's this idea that the notion that society has given us all that you know restriction restraint good bad you know that perception of control we need to restrict you know to manage weight that you know we need to be restrained to manage weight and you know that if we give ourselves permission to eat unconditionally then it's just going to, we're going to lose one of ourselves. We're going to lose control. And the thing is the opposite is true, you know, the opposite of it. And that's where the kind of paradox comes in by actually giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. There is a tendency to have that freedom and peace where you don't feel the need to eat with abandon restriction mindset, like psychologically restriction restraints that, that inflexible mindset that dichotomous thinking of like, if it's not good, it's bad, if it's not perfect, you know, that tends to lead to more mindless eating. It's that restriction, that deprivation, that hunger is what tends to lead people toward that and perpetuate that cycle of more mindless eating. Whilst with unconditional permission to eat, you know, you are more inclined to have more peace in your body because you know you can have that food if you choose to. 
But the fear is that perception of control being let go of that people have. And I think like one of the, you have unconditional permission to eat. And the thing that people need to remember is you also have unconditional permission to stop eating, to stop when you're full. You know, you have unconditional permission to say yes to something. But you also have unconditional permission to say no. Nourishment still matters. Your health still matters. Your body feeling good still matters. If you just eat like, you know, more mindlessly, anything you want without any focus on nourishment whatsoever, you're not going to feel good. And that's not going to align with your life and what you what you want to feel like. And that is something that people have to remember around it. It's like, it doesn't mean you are going to eat like a child and just want to eat nachos and chocolate all the time. You're not, because that's not going to feel good. And I think a great way to think about it is with more mindful eating. If you approach unconditional permission to eat more mindfully and embrace like the idea of what more mindful eaters would, where it is, it's about choice. It's about trust. It's about kind of attunement with your body's hunger and fullness. And your focus is to nourish and nurture because you're being compassionate with your body and to nourish and nurture. And if you're kind of fostering that more peace with your body, you're going to want to nourish it with good foods more and nourish it with more whole foods most of the time. And that kind of unconditional permission to eat and doing it more mindfully is associated with wanting to nourish your body more and a tendency like with compassion there's a tendency to be more inclined to eat more nourishing foods and want to nourish your body and be more at peace with your body and that's that's the goal of it it's like giving yourself unconditional permission to eat can bring about more peace in the long term if you can get past the idea of that you know unconditional equals mindless because it doesn't and you may have to cross a boundary of a period of time to get to that point but it's recognizing that restriction and that sense that perception of control which really isn't control may be what's leading to those urges to more mindlessly eat and if you step back and give yourself unconditional permission you are more on your way towards finding that peace with your body and with food i think from from what I've seen with clients in particular that are trying to move in this direction towards kind of like honoring and fueling their own hunger and knowing when emotions are present and when negative emotions are present. But I think the big question to ask is when is it actually okay to eat more? I think that's the bit where a lot of people get struggled with. It's like, well, I'm told for so long to eat less and move more. When is it actually okay to eat more? Because I don't think people are aware that everyone does it. We, the three of us, do it. We do it probably a lot more than people actually realize. But I think it's the sentiment that we have to ourselves afterwards. It's not the like, I need to restrict now and I need to suck on carrots in order to get to my goal. It's actually just the resetting thing. So, Dad, can you kind of tell us, like, when is it okay to eat that a little bit more and having that element of like that, that buzzword that we use an awful lot, which is the compassion element of like afterwards? Uh, whenever you want, uh, it's something that people don't want to hear, um, especially having conversations with clients about this. It's like, if you want to eat more, eat more, but make a distinction between what is physiological hunger and what is psychological hunger. And it's 
that whole permission to eat, it's a lot of people go wrong because they think psychologically rather than actually true hunger and what is needed for. And that's why people struggle with this as a whole, because it's we often don't understand what is physiological hunger and people go, oh, I'm hungry. It's like, no, 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 no. Hunger takes time to build. Yeah. I was like, it doesn't just suddenly appear out of nowhere. You know, it's not like Batman. Boom, he's there and then he's gone. It's like, that's not how this works. It takes time. It builds. It's a chemical reaction over a period of time that signals we need food to keep homeostasis. So it's when we distinguish between physiological and psychological hunger, we can then understand what is it that we need in that present time period. Sometimes, psychologically, we are going to have to accept that we're going to eat a bit more because we're currently in a bad state. That's perfectly fine. But don't come into position that going, hey, look, I'm being mindful of eating and I'm going to then eat because I'm stressed, I'm angry, I'm annoyed or whatever that emotion may be and then chastise yourself because of it. So it's like you have the permission to eat whenever you want, but it's try and start looking at it at a point where it's two aspects on the continuum. You want to be looking at more of that, am I hungry? Am I actually nourishing my body and having things that I want that taste nice and fit in with that and understand sometime in that journey, you are going to be eating because it's psychologically. But most people end up doing this with a psychological basis only and never seem to understand the hunger cues because they've ignored it all their life. And how do you bring so awareness to the hunger cues? Can Jane, can you talk about the uh, hunger scale? It's with the hunger and fullness scale, it's like we want to eat when we're hungry enough to enjoy a meal, you know, but not so hungry that you would eat a door, you know, what I mean? <laughs> you're like absolutely ravenous. You don't want to leave your hunger. If you're trying to learn to honor your hunger, you don't want to leave it to the point where you are absolutely ravenous. So it's better to eat more consistently when you are trying to learn about your hunger and fullness cues and recognize it. It's like. And then understanding where you reach the point of satisfaction. I think a good gauge is like, would you be able to get up and take a little walk? You know, if you're at the point of fullness where you couldn't get up or move, then that's beyond satisfaction. You know, if you've got a scale of one to 10, when it comes to like the hunger scale, you always kind of want to stay in and around the, you know, four to seven kind of range where you're not like excessively hungry and you're not excessively starving and you know you don't want your belly to be rumbling excessively where like you would be more inclined to mindlessly eat and you don't want to be so stuck that you have to open the top button of your trousers you know that happens sometimes and that's okay too but you know that you don't want to be in that position all the time so eating more slowly giving yourself a chance to recognize when you're full really helps you to tune in a lot more pause halfway through your meal put your knife and fork down Give yourself a moment to check in with hunger and ask yourself, am I quite satisfied? Recognize that satisfaction isn't stuffed, you know, recognize that you don't need to have that excessive full feeling that, you, you know, satisfied, you can get up, you can walk. If you're at the point where you start sighing a lot, you know, that kind of <laughs> impact, that can mean you're over full, you know, when you're, that's a body's indication that you are. So it's just learning those like cues. We learn a lot of, habits around food, like having to finish your plate, like feeling like you have to be excessively full. There's like a fear of hunger. And I think it's recognizing that a little bit of hunger is okay every now and then, 
you know, and that's where, like with that kind of, with the hunger fullness scale as well, it's like a little bit of hunger is okay. You don't need to eat immediately. Like when you feel a little bit of hunger, as Stephen said, like hunger builds, you know, we have those signals that it's coming. And if you focus on having a good meal structure, most of the time, you're going to start recognizing when it is real, true hunger. Like if you know you have had a satisfying lunch at one o'clock and at 2.30, you know, you start kind of going, oh, I'm really hungry. You know, that's unlikely, you know, so you can check in with yourself. And that's what the structure supports when you're building that kind of hunger fullness understanding is like you can check in yourself and give yourself the opportunity to go, am I hungry or is it something else? Do I really want food? You know, is that is that where I'm at right now? Would a glass of water do? Is that what I want? Is it something emotional? And it gives you the opportunity to make a different choice. So I think having structure, making sure you keep yourself at that level of kind of satisfaction in your meals can be really, really valuable in learning to understand. It is so much about slowing down and asking yourself questions and supporting yourself on the journey by keeping some structure around your meals and keeping that like focus on more wholesome meals and set meal times to kind of give you that, that base to build on and understand. I think the element of structure thing is a very valid point because I've genuinely seen it with clients who are more consistent are the ones that have a little bit of planning or a little bit of structure and when something else uh an event or something like that comes in or a kid gets sick or work deadline or something like that comes in that's generally when those tools that have been working get put to the side and that's where things can kind of go off that little bit so i do think it's important to like have a an almost a plan b where it could be like doing potentially a batch cook or potentially asking your partner to cook the dinner for one or two of the evenings, not always on you. Um, I mean, that's a, a big thing where if you've got like kids or like, who are like maybe 18 or whatever it is, they can cook if they've been taught. I know that's a power thing for some people. It's like, I need to be the one that's cooking the meals. I need to be the one that's like the best parent in the world. It's like, but they're going to have to learn eventually. They're going to learn in college yeah but you are going to have to learn eventually but i think the ones that have that little bit more structure and structure doesn't mean restriction which is also a very blurry line for someone it's like well i need to have every single meal plan or else it's failure it's like no you're not a failure that's just the language you're using around it and that's a massive point is if you can aim for three meals two or three snacks more often than not you're on the goal and on the path and people say that's oversimplified. Yes, it's oversimplified, but it's a good point to start. It's like learning how to crawl as a baby rather than trying to run and ending up flat on your face. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring it right back down to basics. But the one of the things that kind of comes in a lot is, well, when is it okay to eat during a negative emotion? So if I'm sad or I'm lonely, because that's one of the things that's kind of coming up. The two things that are coming up an awful lot is I'm stressed, I'm angry, I'm lonely. When is it okay to eat when feeling those negative emotions whatever you want yeah <laughs> like we're gonna put it out there whenever you want whatever time of day whatever you want it doesn't really matter you could use drugs alcohol you could do whatever the hell you want your body your life your rules simple now understand the consequences that's all you need to understand if you repeat the behavior over and over and over you have a potential for it to be a problem the same way as if you go run a marathon every single day, 
you are going to run into a problem sooner or later. So it's like, it might work. It can help you. It reduces the emotions and the feelings. Cool. But there's always a consequence associated with it. If you can understand that and allow yourself to position that, hey, it happened, I can move past this. And as the same thing we would be doing, saying before, reset, it's okay. I think there's something with like as well, like recognizing that it's okay to comfort eat and overeat. We said that like that's natural and normal. Yeah. And comfort eating can be a positive thing. It can be a tool in a positive sense, but it's always very demonized. And like, I understand why. But if you say you're eating for comfort and you have your favorite meal from childhood that always makes you feel good, you know, if you're feeling a bit, a bit low and it's like one tool in your toolkit of ways to comfort is to eat this favorite food, be it whatever it is. And you, that food makes you feel comfort. You enjoy it. You savor it. It's comforting. That's not a negative behavior, but if you start to eat beyond comfort to the point where it's no longer nourishment or fulfilling and comforting you positively, and it becomes to the point of punishment where it is negatively impacting you, and you then overeat beyond satisfaction, beyond comfort to the point where you are hurting yourself further, that's kind of, I think, where it gets to that negative sense. And when food becomes your sole source of comfort that every time you're low, every time you're stressed, or most of the time you're stressed, low, upset, what you go to is food because you're burying your emotions down with food, then that's when it becomes a, neg- a more negative behavior pattern. And but comfort eating on its own, and I said food is connection, it's pleasure, it's comfort. There's so many reasons to eat it beyond just the fuel and nourishment side of things. So eating for comfort on occasion is absolutely fine as one comfort in a realm of comforts. But when it starts to become something that's hurting you and causing you negative emotions, negative feelings, then that's when it becomes something to really take a look at. You mentioned the word reset there, Dallas. Mm-hmm. Should we really need to be consistently resetting? Well, yes and no. It depends on how you want to do context. And I think that's the biggest key here. It's like you can continuously reset and have no issues provided your mindset is changing along with you. I was like, that's not no problem. I mean, if you're doing the same shitty behavior in the same shitty way all the goddamn time, well, clearly your reset's not going to do anything, just further re-solidify the behavior. And we see it all the time. It's, <laughs> for instance, one of the clients listening to this would be like, oh, that's me. I boredom eat and I find it fun. It's like, no, you don't find it fun. You find eating as a way to deal with the stress, the anxiety, or whatever you're currently dealing with because it automatically reduces the negative emotion. Dopamine gets released. You get a permanent, well, not permanent, but a semi-high from it. So every so often, boredom eating can be absolutely perfectly okay. Everyone does it. But if you're subsequently every single day following into a habit, And then reinforcing it by telling yourself that it's fun, that it's helping because you know what it's actually doing. You've now turned it into this point where even a reset's not going to change anything because every day you reset to do the same behavior with the same ideology and the same mindset and you repeat the same pattern. And when it comes to the end of the week, you go, right, what has happened? I don't like it. I hate it. Let me push harder. 
you've known all along what the problem was. You know why you were doing it. But the problem ended up coming, as St. Jane pointed out, we rely on one tool to solve the problem. When we know that in order to build a house, we need multiple tools. You can't come and build a house with just a hammer. But when it comes to solving things within our life, we decide one tool is going to be the best tool. Or we take the other approach. I'm going to learn this tool for this moment only, and then I'm not going to use the tool. And that's the way the key is. It's like, if you're going to reset, there has to be changes along with how you see things and how you perceive it so that it becomes less of a problem. If you reset and just repeat the same behavior, well, nothing has ever changed. Yeah, it's sort of like instead of like a rewind and replay, it's a reset, you know, and that's kind of, sort of like looking at it. And when you reset, it is coming at it with what you've learned from the experience and then applying that as you move forward. Because, yeah, if you just, you don't take anything from, you don't look at the behaviors with kind of that, we said, the curiosity and compassion to kind of learn from it and non-judgment and kind of go, why is this happening? And what can I do to support future me? And I think that's something that will run through a lot of what we're talking about today with, you know, even unconditional permission and, you know, that like the behavior chain and stuff is kind of like, look at things and go, how do I support future me? Or even as you said, like going to events and things like that, when you lose that structure, what happens and stuff, it's like, you have to look at those occasions and kind of go, this is what happened. Things didn't go to plan. That's okay. Okay is enough. But if this happens again, how do I help future me? If I decide now and I plan now and I have some if-then strategies and different things going on, that will help support future me because these things are going to happen again. Things aren't going to go perfect all the time. They don't have to. Okay is enough most of the time. <laughs> but, you know, how, how do I support future me? And that's something I say a lot to clients. It's like, look at future you. If you know when you're really busy and when work gets hectic, things fall fall to the wayside a bit. Is that a week where you could get some meal meal prep ahead? Is that a week where you can ask another, as you said, member of the family to cook? Is that a week where you might need to get a meal delivery service just for your lunches, just to help keep your structure and just to build something and so you know you're at least getting breakfast in a lunch and see what happens for dinner? You know, is that is that what you need to do? And it's just considering future you and not expecting that because you have the intention to change and the intention to do well, that that's going to happen. Because you're thinking and there's variables and things don't go to plan all the time. I think a lot of people do try to wing what they're trying to do an awful lot of the time. I think that's where they almost, it's like setting themselves up for like a bit of a drop on, on like subconsciously or consciously, I don't know. Obviously there's always going to be things that kind of come up, but I've definitely noticed that when there's some sort of routine or some sort of structure for the, for some clients, they, they, they strive in it. Um, but as you said, like a batch cook, like if you want to listen back to one of the episodes with Sarah Butler, she talks about how she does it with her family and how she does it with her kids, like Tupperware will help. Um, like there, there are meal prep companies out there and stuff like that, that can definitely help. And you don't have to go and buy like seven days of food, but it's important to have some potential have a plan B. But it's also reason, realizing that not every meal has to be a Michelin star quality. It can be something as simple as scrambled eggs on toast it can be as simple as a sandwich it can be as simple as a bowl of porridge it can be as simple as whatever is in the press like beans on toast is sometimes what just what you need anyway uh it doesn't need to be this amazing meal with 
piles and piles of protein or piles and piles of veggies. If you're getting them in probably like 50% of the time, that's probably more than you have been getting it in previously. So you're already on to a winner. So I'd rather, as Jane said, like good enough is probably better than what had been done previously. And another sentence that helps some of the clients that I've worked with is, am I acting, am I acting like the person I want to become when it comes to the whole realm of that whole element of pausing before and asking, am I actually hungry? The hunger scale works for a lot of the clients. Am I actually acting like the person I want to become in relation to, depends what stage you're at. It's a, it can be a good sentence or a useful sentence to say if someone is struggling with the emotional eating, but it also can be a triggering sentence for an awful lot of people. With it, it, like we've given you so many tools, and people may get overwhelmed with the amount of tools that we have said today. So it's important to potentially listen back to this section and potentially look at which one. But I think Dallas is one in relation to that hunger, kind of like slowly comes on and physiological hunger rises up really quickly. I think it's a really, really good one. I think Jane's one with the hunger scale is a huge one that people can ask, and it's also. Both of you have also elaborated on that. It's okay to potentially overeat, but if it's through a consistent coping mechanism, which I think coping is the wrong word, it's a mechanism to deal with whatever's going on continuously, well, then it's not constructive to the individual. And I think they're the three main points out of it. But Jane, you mentioned the whole thing of kind of like, you touched on it there. I don't know if it was like, I meant to give me the segue to move on in relation to kind of eating out with uh, with friends and stuff like that, because that is coming out with like the the the, the eating out of, like the dealing with the anxiety of going out for, for meals with friends and drinks with friends and like dealing with comments from people when people are going out for meals is a huge thing. So I don't know which one of you guys wants to take this. I like the wonderful Jane do. under the bus (laughs) i think it's understanding why you have anxiety about eating out as well because it can come from a lot of different places it can come from if you've been you know dieting a lot and fat loss or like it has been something that's a focus of yours and a fear of if you've been quite regimented in it the fact of going out and not knowing what food you're going to have not knowing what calories are in your food not knowing what options are there that you lose that kind of control again, which we've talked about a lot and like around the unconditional permission to eat. So there's that kind of side of it, but then there's also eating in front of people and things like that, that fear of being looked at, or if you've you've come out of more disordered eating practices and stuff, there is a lot of fear of people making comments on your food, making comments on what you're eating, how much you're eating, how little you're eating, the choices you're making. So there's two, there's, there's actually more, there's several different sides to eating out. But looking at the side of kind of if you're, which would be dealing with, the, with what I would do with most of my clients and um, that I would see um, more frequently would be the fear of losing control, the fear of, you know, I've been doing so well and now I have this evening out or this dinner out or this lunch out. What am I going to do? And I can't track it or, you know, how do I make positive choices? And it really depends on your goals. But first and foremost, it's kind of, you can't track everything. It's not perfect anyway. But if you are, say, very focused on fat loss and have some goals, there are ways you can kind of help support yourself by, say, knowing what's available in advance, making more positive choices. You don't have to track it to be able to go, I'm going to choose something that's a little higher in protein. You know, I might get sauce on the side. I'm going to get something with a lot of veggies. These little things that can support it. And then there's also the idea of like one meal 
one meal of whatever you like, it's not going to derail a week of positive choices and approaching it and eating it mindfully, savoring it, enjoying it, whatever it is. You know, think about if you're eating, you say you're going out and you're having pizza or something like that. Like realistically, you probably don't need a large pizza to be satisfied and to enjoy it and to get the pleasure from it. And I know Dallas is disagreeing with me massively. Like, I need to. <laughs> but, um, you know, you're probably going to get the pleasure out of the first few slices of it. You know, that's when the best of it's going to be. And taking your time, slowing down and having that is going to be enough for you to get that pleasure. And I think it's challenging yourself to say yes to these occasions you know, if there is a fear and making a choice based on the goals you have at the time, you know, if your goal going out at that time is connection, time with friends, pleasure, fun, that you just want to have that enjoyable experience is the primary part of it, because that's what it's all about. Then savor that, enjoy that, you know, recognize that most people, if they're making comments on your food or anything like that, it's not really about you. It's not really critical. It's, you know, probably about their thoughts around it too. So I think it's a, a big part of it is about recognizing that you have a choice when you go out and how you approach it. You can eat more mindfully whatever food you want. You can also have permission to choose to eat something more nourishing if you want and choose a protein-based dish, choose lots of veg, get your sauce on the side if you want ask for a swap in the meal there's nothing wrong with doing that either like i won't have the chips i'll have salad you know because i really want to enjoy the burger i really want a burger that's going to be amazing i'm going to enjoy my burger but i don't really need the chips you know there's those options for you as well and it's very personal i believe because it really depends on what your anxiety about eating out is about where you're at at the time what your goals are and then the choices that you can make to support you are going to be very, very personal. I think one of the big ones that kind of comes in is they're going to like dealing with comments of from other people with what they're actually going to eat. I know one of my clients is the reason why this question is coming up. And if she, I'm going to send this to her individually if she hasn't listened to it. But it's one of those things that it can become overwhelming. It can be create a sense of anxiety which is fear in the future, but we need to look at why is that so important for you to have that validation from others and what you're eating. Like it's not okay for people to comment on what other people are eating. Like we all three of us get it. Like if we're out for meals or whatever it is, like I, I know when we went out for the meal with Cal, um, I got messages afterwards on my DM saying, well, how can you have pizza if you're in fitness? And like, why can't I have pizza people have got a mouth got a stomach shut the fuck up let me okay ignore Dallas you need less caffeine the triggering side of things I would understand like I know like coming from the background like my issues around food in the past and things like that like I will get especially when I was working on less restriction and eating more consistently there were times I would my my portions were huge I just my appetite was all over the shop and I would eat quite a lot and still being quite lean at the time, but people not really understanding where I was going and that I was going to gain weight because I was actively allowing that to happen. And I would get really triggered by people saying to me, oh my God, do you eat that much? Like, you know, things that would be a status, but I would get like, by if people were looking at me eating and like the amount I was eating and the volume I was eating, 
I would get a bit, it would get to me, I would get a bit like, and I would notice that um, people looking at me and making comments like that would get me a little bit kind of triggered. So I can understand that feeling. But as you're saying, it's that has nothing to do with the food. That is to do with something else. That is to do with the, their perception of me and looking at me in that way and me questioning my behavior and having that cognitive dissonance of I know I need to regulate my appetite anymore and just commit to this process versus oh my God, I'm going to gain loads of weight and I'm feeling like off about that and I'm working through that side of things in my own mind. So it's recognizing that what is the underlying reason behind why you're so triggered by what these people are thinking and working on that. Okay. If, Sorry, if we dive into that, just so people can listening, because I, I know you're open for it, mm. what was the actual trigger? As in people were staring at you, people looking at you, people commented. What was it that triggered you? It's like everyone says it's the comments, but it's not actually the comments that were triggering. What was it for you? I think it was for me the perception of the fact that I was letting go of the control on my body and allowing myself to kind of gain more weight. And also the fact that I had finally recognized that there was a bit of a problem there you know, and that I was having to like face up to the fact that what I've been justifying and covering up for myself for so long was actually an issue that I needed to, to accept. And there was an embarrassment and a shame about it. So by people noticing my doing the eating more and the like size of my appetite and how much I was eating and stuff like that, it highlighted for me the fact that I had an issue with overeating and like mine was obviously binging purging things like that like you know restriction was binge restrict was kind of where I was at and so somebody highlighting that I was overeating and eating a lot brought about feelings of shame that they were noticing that and this time I knew I was doing it more for the regulating my appetite and trying to just be okay with whatever I ate without restriction without like you know purging without any other negative behavior alongside of it but that was challenging for me and so that face up and it was a lot of yeah shame definitely a lot of feeling like I was being judged but really because I was judging myself because it was a bit of a battle inside of I don't want to I don't want to let go of this behavior because it gave me this false sense of control but I know I'm committing to letting go of this behavior so I have to work through it so it's fully nothing about other people and my situation was fully about the battle that was going on in my own head about it and that being highlighted for me. I just didn't want it to be recognized and I didn't want to be judged because I was giving control to the opinions of others. But I was also through stories in my head about the opinions of others. And thank you for sharing that because I think that's going to definitely resonate with a few people of like, it's, it's normally our projection onto other people, what we think like, we ultimately can't read people's minds if we can. I also don't think we'd enjoy it either. If you'd ever watched the movie, Evan Almighty, he didn't overly enjoy it. Um, Great for a little while, but it gets overwhelming, but it is projection onto other people of our insecurities. So we all have insecurities. Like there's, there's not one person in this earth that doesn't have their insecurities. Just some people are able to deal with it better than others uh, and have better mechanisms and tools in place. And they use different tools for it. But how do you actually, are there like, sentences or phrases that you can use when people start talking about oh should you be eating that or can you be eating that or should you be having that chocolate brownie and it's the same it goes it's very similar to those comments that are made about 
your appearance and how people talk about weight around you as well. There's a lot of overlap between the two. Can you give us a few of those, Dallas? <laughs> Coming from someone who usually tells people fuck off. <laughs> yeah, don't do Dallas. Just well, I would actually recommend for you people actually try that and actually suddenly see where the boundaries created. I'm just for instance, and people always yeah, like don't do Dallas. I don't want to offend people. I'm just like, well, the person who just said that comment is technically offending you. So and then we can also take the sense it's offense is taken. But anyway, we'll go through at a different point. Some of the ways you can easily do it is going, what is what is it that I need right now? And then like people go like, how's that got to do with the person? It's like, actually, what do you need? Because what the person just said or trying to push onto you is their reflection. Pretty good. So it's like, what would you need in that moment to kind of calm you back down and recognize what needs to go from there? It's also then looking at it from a standpoint that it's, you can then have a conversation with a person. People are like, I'm going to eat that. And you'd be like, yes, I'm actually trying to you know listen to my hunger or i'm fueling my body it's like you can play it off nice and easy i prefer hitting it on the head as everybody knows from the podcast call the person out for being an asshole going what right do you have to question the way i eat whether it be family or friends or anyone however people don't like feeling confrontation so it's like you could simply just have that conversation with them going this is why i'm doing this you don't have to explain yourself, but you can if you wish. It's setting a boundary with the person as well. That's like, it's your choice. I know Jane is going to have very nice, soft ways of that. Because <laughs> I'm more just like, like, time is short on this planet. I don't have the time to be dealing with these. Small- don't have a filter. Yeah, it's just like, get lost. I'm like, you're going to eat what you want. I'm like, why can't I eat what I want? There you go. And the person's like, mm, and then they're like, oh, I can't believe you were so aggressive. And I'll be like, can't believe you're such an asshole. But here we are. So it's like, if you're going to take the approach, go at, go at it. But otherwise, take the soft approach if you're not going to go head at it, which Jane will explain everything. Yeah. I, I really think it depends as well. It depends on the context and depends on the, the person that's speaking to you. Um, because like it's got to... If it's a parent, it can be more difficult. Exactly. And like, how willing are you to offend them? Is it worth it? You know, is it easier just to kind of, kind of, if someone goes, oh, are you going to eat all that? Go, yeah, I am. I'm going to give it a go and make light of it. Like, if that feels comfortable and like taking ownership of it or just kind of smile and nod, kind of ignore it, let them say what they want. Or, you know, there's so many different ways you can approach it. Or you can set your boundaries and say, like, if someone literally just says to you, are you going to eat all that? To turn around to them and kind of elaborate into a very long reason to why you are and what you're doing, it's probably unnecessary. And you might, like, in certain circumstances, you might feel that level of vulnerability is unnecessary and you'll end up feeling kind of worse from it. So sometimes you don't owe people, as Dallas said, you don't owe people an explanation of anything whatsoever your boundaries are your boundaries and what you're comfortable with if you are dealing with those the feelings that arise from those when people make comments like that that is something personal that you are dealing with and working through setting your boundaries in a way that's comfortable for you is what's most important it's recognizing that you don't owe them an explanation your choices are your choices and that you know people's comments are probably more about them recognize the person look at the person who's making the comment to you 
and think about it in that context as well. Like, why would would they would they genuinely mean something negative? Are they someone in your life that would try to would be trying to say something to hurt you? And that will help you with your response. And a lot of the time, it could be a simple case of if it depends on what the comment is. The comment is quite accusatory or something that makes you really uncomfortable. Kind of like, I can't believe you're eating that. I thought you were on a diet. Then you have the right to say fuck off. Like to be perfectly honest, I agree with that. If someone comes at it aggressively like that and deserve deserves that kind of response back, like yeah, fair enough. But if it is just kind of like, oh, are you going to eat all that? It can be easier just to kind of go, yeah, I am. Like you're not. Well, you're missing out. You know, or play it off. It really is dependent on the context of it, and it has to be what's true to you, who you are, you're comfortable with. And something that's defined by the relationship between you and that person that you're dealing with and recognizing would they genuinely be trying to hurt you or criticize you? I still think we need to flame people, though. It's like, there you go. Put it down the table. Who, who cares who it is? Flame them. There you go. And then, then we're going to start a societal norm where people don't comment on stupid shit. And then we're like, hey, happy days. We've changed society for the good. I like that. Everyone's like, nah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Offer, i'll be like yeah <laughs> but i think it is important like if you if someone asks you the question are you, you going to have all of that it's like yeah i think that's the simple you don't have, you also don't have to justify your own action oh yeah that's the biggest thing like if you're having all of that it's like yeah i am i'm gonna I enjoy did. it like like even on like this way on mother's day we went out for food with um need family and we had a burger well i had a burger and like i would say it probably took maybe a minute and a half for me to finish the whole burger Dallas eats so quickly, by the way. Like, I was gone, and everyone at the table were like, oh, my God, you finished that quick? And I was like, well, yeah, but if you carry on, like, you know, not talking and carrying on doing that, I'll finish everyone else's food. And they were like, oh, well, and I'm like, if you're offering. And everyone's like, well, I was just like, I'm starving. And I'm like, but people often in that situation, if someone commented on it, it's the first thing to do is react in a negative form it's like oh they're saying something bad i'm like you can say what you like i enjoyed my food and if you're gonna be slow i'm gonna eat your food too like brilliant (laughs) reframe the mature approach the confidence you have in yourself like but if for someone i suppose who isn't comfortable in their body confident in it who's trying to lose weight and then goes out and wants to have a burger someone turning around and making a comment about them having a burger makes them go, I shouldn't be having the burger and brings about that shameful feeling, you know? Then It's about, there's just that context side of it. Exactly. But that's also not only just context, that's also just internal state of the person. Yes. And, and that's what people don't get. It, it's like, if you just go about enjoying the things that you want to enjoy, the likelihood of you being rocked off the boat decreases dramatically but the difference is that as soon as we step out of that position to go enjoy ourselves we actually step into position of worry we step into the position of future pacing and what if and it's what is everyone else thinking instead of just being present in that moment because it's like when you notice people are present in the moment it's like they're enjoying food and if someone passes a comment they laugh at it they move on and carry on because they're enjoying the moment the majority of us who go out and try and eat food come into the position of actually, what is that person saying there? What are they saying, thinking about me? What are they looking at my food? And then they're watching how other people eat, what their little micro expressions are doing, instead of just going, Hey, I'm here to enjoy the moment. And it's one of the conditional permission to eat. 
And there we see how we've kind of brought the tangent back. It's like, that's how you go out and enjoy yourself. You have to be present. But as soon as you come out of that position of worry and not being present and want to see anything and everything other people are doing, you're always going to take some form of offense. You're always going to feel like someone is going to, in a sense, criticize you because that's the frame of mind you're in. You've predisposed that position because you're like, hey, I'm not out here to enjoy. I'm out here to worry about everything else. So it's like, one, what am I most afraid of? What is my biggest fear? And what can I do to support that? Like, what is the biggest fear you have, like going out or of that person's opinion of you? Like, what, what does it really mean? What, like, what is it? How is it actually going to impact you? Or even like, what facts do you have to support that that person is actually thinking negatively? Yeah, the big you? statement there is like, what facts have you got for those thoughts they're having? Yeah. yeah. Like, is it true or is it a story in your head? Are you making up this story based on how you're feeling? And like, if you can't find facts to support that story, then recognize that it's a story and let it go. You know, we go out and engage and have food and engage with others and connect for so much more than anything to do with the food. And it's like being present is and being mindful is about more than just mindfully eating. It's about being present in the moment and the connection that eating out and food and being social has and i think that's something that you know we forget about so often that it just becomes so obsessed with how much you're eating what you're eating where you're eating the food when it's just like the whole point of eating out social eating with family and friends is the connection and just food happens to bring you all together i think the big thing to say to yourself is i know when people a lot of people go into a restaurant and kind of go well i should be having this because i'm on a diet it's like well it's like the, the salad in the corner which looks fucking miserable or it's soup and i'm like well soup's a starter it's not a fucking meal um so you need to look at what do you actually want to have rather than going into the meal saying i can only have this that there's no law there's nothing in the constitution in whatever country you're in this and this saying you can't have this that's the limiting food rules that you're applying to yourself that's probably where the guilt is coming from so ask yourself before you go out, what do you actually want to have? Yeah. Look at the menu if you want, but it could, creasing, it, could, it could increase more anxiety before you go out or else it can't calm you down. depends on the person. But you could say to yourself, what do you actually want to have? Do you want to have that burger and a dessert? Do you want to have a starter and a main? Do you want to have just the main or do you just want the dessert? There's no right or wrong answer. Das is like, I want all of it. And there's nothing wrong with Dallas having all of it because it's what Dallas wants. It, it, that's what Dallas values at the time. And that's the biggest thing. It's what you, you value. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas, I've seen you eat. It's like, it's like he, he's like, as he eats his, he's, he's watching you to see how slow you're eating so he can have the rest of yours. It's like, Dallas, I feel unnerved. <laughs> it's like a tiger. Like Neve does the same thing. She's there and I'll be eating. And she's like, I saw that look. And I was like, what look? And she's like, I know you're looking at my food. I'm like, I know, but it looks so good. And it's often like, yeah, I've, I've, I've eaten with Dallas many times. It's kind of like, you just see this little corner of his eye. It's like, I, I, I know what's going to be left here. I, I'm eyeing it up. Yeah. I have to, he has the condiments on the napkin on him already before he goes again. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's important. It's like, what do you actually want to have? Like, what do you want to have? Like, I know I'm away this weekend. It's like, what do I want to have? I want to be able to be have time out with my friends and stuff like that. I haven't been away with them like two or three years. So it's not really going to matter. If I can get more protein, if I can get veggies in, happy days. But where the, the country is, it's quite kind of like very kind of carb heavy, kind of more heavier foods in Czech Republic. Like it's kind of like heavier foods. 
Um, mm. So I won't be eating that much anyway because it will be just a little bit more dense in the stomach and stuff like that. But it's actually asking yourself, what do you want to have? If you want to have the pizza, have it. If you want to have the burger, have it. If you want to have the salad, have it. But you have to ask yourself before, it's like, want to have the salad with your burger? Mix the two could be a combination of the two to ease you into the process. It's probably salad on your burger anyway. You could have a combo of the two, but a salad isn't a meal. If you enjoy the salad, great. But I often think when clients are doing, send, sending pictures of foods over and they're like, oh, we've had a salad. I was like, but you're not full afterwards. You're not, you're hungry an hour later. So yeah, it's not my salads. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's the soup. The soup one really irks me. It's like, that's not a meal. It's like, it's a starter on a, on a, on a menu for a reason. It's not nourishing enough and it's not going to fill you up for the rest of the day. It's not keep your energy levels up for the rest of the day. If you enjoy it, great. It's got 10 vegetables in. I'm like, yeah, but in liquid. It ain't the same thing. Yeah. Get, it it in, get some like nice bread on the side. Make it amazing. It's, just like, it's like when you see people eat soup, but when you see everything that goes with it to eat soup, when you go and like, why don't you just have something else? Because it's like half a loaf of bread and then I need butter on the bread and then I need something else to dip in it, but I wasn't full. So let me go make another snack with it. And you're just going, man, you could have just eaten a proper meal. Bingo. Um, and if people are eating soup and they're enjoying it all credit to them but that's my rant on soup um the next question we're going to go through really quickly is digital digital detoxes and why are they are key um so that you don't hate life and hate yourself and everything around them there you go was that quick enough (laughs) (laughs) go maybe another two minutes I think okay. So the biggest, the biggest, uh, biggest, biggest thing here is predominantly it comes down to images portrayed by not only social media but culture as a whole, in the sense that our shape norms, our identity norms, how we look norms, our weight norms, our every freaking norms these days is based upon a social image of some capacity, whether you have to be thin and tall, have a certain look about yourself, a certain color of hair, you have to diet a certain way, have to be part of a culture that does it a certain way. And that's the issue that comes with social media. It can be a wonderful thing, don't get me wrong, but it's also the fact that a lot of people follow or actively fan out or fangirl, fanboy, whatever, people who often themselves are in a very precarious position not to be giving healthy, wholesome information about what needs to be done. So we see from the likes of Kim K and freaking all the others selling things at the expense of people who are naturally going to believe it in accepting that they themselves use this product to get to a certain position, which we all know is not how it works. So it's being taken advantage of. But what that ends up doing is your own identity starts to be based upon the very things you see. Because naturally, as humans, we want to conform. We want to be part of everything as a whole. So if your social media is absolutely woeful with people shoving their hole in the place and saying, hey, keto is the way to go. And that like, you know, as long as you keep telling yourself, don't be fat, don't be fat. You know, you're going to get the dream body you want and people are going to like you. You are now taking that image. You are internalizing it. You are now living it. You are portraying it. 
and in the process become an absolute nightmare to be around or for yourself to be around because you are internally hating yourself because you don't match a, a norm. So take away time away from it, unfollow people, and don't portray any part of social norms and just enjoy life. Easy. Like if you're waking up first thing in the morning and the first thing you do is look at social media and look at the girl with the big quads and the big glutes and the abs and you're looking at the lot of the big pecs and the abs and the big arms, that's the first thing you're taking into your head every single morning and then you're doing the same in the evenings. It's no wonder that the kind of the body image or the social image can be portrayed that you need to look a certain way in order to be societally accepted or whatever it may be. But you can easily change your grid on your social media to look at puppies or football or clothes or whatever it may be that work for you. And you you can edit that, but you owe it to yourself that to edit your feed, to unfollow people. I literally have had two clients having to edit feeds this week in relation or encouraged to edit feeds this week in order to set themselves up for success because they've caught, they've been caught into a rabbit hole. And the first thing that I always look at is who are you following on social media? And you go you go through it with them and they're all fitness influencers. Yeah. There's an amazing thing. Like if you are following fitness influencers and they have a message that is working and is aiding you, go for it. But if it's something that's like limiting things or like here's a skinny Botox tea that's going to grow, I don't know, your arse and your elbows. I don't know what the fuck is going to grow. I don't know why you want your elbows growing. But. I'm going to in- interject on that one for the pure aspect of what you think aids you is not actually something that could be aiding you. And from the very presence of saying a lot of people think Kim K and all the high ends are doing them, doing them good, right? Because their perception is currently what they do is helping me. Right. So it's like if you truly are looking to succeed as a person or grow as a person, you need to have something that not only gives you an understanding of what life should be about, but should also challenge you to think otherwise. A lot of your fitness influences, the challenge you get is give me your money. That's the challenge. It's not actually, hold on, how can we look at health in a different perspective? How can we look at training in a different perspective? We already know identity constructs as a whole is fucking complicated. Oh, wait, I would know that, a fucking assignment on it. Absolutely bullshit, right? So it's like if a person who is trying to tell you that the only thing for you to be happy is to look as lean as possible and have your abs and quads absolutely yoked, and not give you the point and going, hey, there are problems that come with this. The way you see the world could be a problem. You could also see it in a better light. So it's like, that's the point of what you should be looking at on social media, or that's what you should have a group of people helping you, not just the fact that it's give me your damn money or like, you know, don't take my detoxes. You need to be challenged. You need to have thoughts, but you also need to understand that there's a continuum. And when you get that, people start to go, oh, wow, I don't have so much investment in social media norms anymore because now you've truly been challenged to make up your mind and what you want to do instead of going, I'm going to be a sheep. Social media, you know, and algorithms don't give a shit about your mental or physical health. Like at the end of the day, they are all about money, you know, follows, likes, people being more active on it. And when it comes to social media, what we see is the best and the worst of everything. You don't see the 99% of people's lives of most of us who are normal and just go about day-to-day things. Nobody is showing that stuff. 
So you've got this faulty perception of reality from the get-go of the worst things in the world and the best. And that's all you see. And so you're comparing with someone's curated idea of reality, and that's what you're comparing with. You don't see the day-to-day life. Or you're then feeling this sense of control with like doomsday scrolling when there's bad shit going on in the world where you feel helpless. So you feel like reading lots and lots of stuff about it is going to help you feel better about it and help you feel like you're doing something. It's like we punish, you end up punishing yourself, so to speak. And then in the things you look at on social media, the algorithm is going to check that out and just keep showing you that stuff. So if you've been looking at all these fitspos who trigger you all the time, and you've been looking at them, punishing yourself, going, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, when it's not actually the reality of things, that's what's going to keep coming up in your feed all the time. Or if you're looking at negative things um, all the time in, in social media or reading a lot of like bad news, things like that, that's what's going to come up in your feed all the time. And if that's impacting your, your mental health and your well-being, you need to curate a little bit. You need to cut it back a bit and set up systems in place where you time yourself out on it and just have a bit of, I think turn off notifications, have some phone free time, start connecting with real humans and people and things, you know, more than like disconnect or reconnect. I think I did a post on that the other week. <laughs> yeah, I think like the apps that you can use, like I think if you were, if someone was to open up their phone and look at how many, how much they spend on the likes of TikTok or the likes of Instagram or the likes of social media in general or on WhatsApps or whatever, I think a lot of people will be actually like scared of how much time on a day or a week or a month they actually spend of their lives on those devices. There's apps like freedom, which I think is free for about seven days, I think. And that will block you out for certain times. You set the times that you do it. I used it for the first few lockdowns and it's kept the system going of like, I couldn't look at my phone for like between 7 PM. And I think it was like 11 or 12 the next day that I just couldn't look at it uh, on social media and stuff like that. But you need to lock, you can get it for your desktop as well. Like it's a great way to actually do your job. Like block out your emails. Like so many people will look at their emails first thing in the morning and then expect not to get stressed and get wired. And like most people don't even actually end up replying to those emails when they look at them and then leave them to later and they get more stressed out. You owe it to yourself to have some sort of boundary into place. Because if you're doing it, your kids are doing it. And if your kids are doing it, they're going to pick up those habits and have the same issues you're going to have. And it's, things are only getting worse, especially with the short form videos that are going through now with the likes of Reels and stuff like that, where there's actually no context behind, especially when it's like looking at those, like what I eat in a day videos. Mm-hmm. But you need you need to like look at, are they are they putting a picture of their body in that video before they go what I eat in a day if they are it's probably not what they eat in a day one and also it's damaging to body confidence and body image if someone is doing it from a point of view of like talking about like honoring hunger honoring fuel and they haven't got a picture of their body then it's probably a conducive message and that's the the, that's the that's the that's the issue with the likes of the messages that are out there you need to curate your feed for you you'd probably be a lot happier when you're looking at puppies than you would be to look at someone else's pair of puppies. <laughs> All of the puppies. <laughs> watch, watch like gym fails or people failing or doing crazy things. I'm like, that's entertainment. Not looking at someone going like, oh, look at me. And I perfectly turned my ass cheek and kind of created lordosis in my back so it looks like I have an ass. Like, God damn it. Sorry, I have to say something. Dallas is getting cranky. <laughs> 
I think we will. I think like there's other topics that we we're going to cover, but I'm conscious of time and stuff like that for you guys. So I think we'll do, I'll do, I'll do a separate episode on the other two. So I think there's a lot there for people to dissect in relation to unconditional permission to eat, eat and anxiety of, of kind of going out and digital detoxes. Like it's important to like try and protect your own health and like ask your questions. Are you projecting yourself onto other people's responses? Are you putting your own biases? Are you creating stories? Have you got limiting beliefs around food and working through those? If it's a continuous mechanism with food for dealing with some sort of emotion or whatever it may be, and it's a negative emotion, well, then then it's not conducive to kind of continuously eat. And you have to look at it from that point of view. Like if you're going out for a meal this week with friends, ask yourself what you actually truly want to have. And ask yourself, no, or even write down on your phone or some of like that beforehand or a piece of paper saying, how do I feel before? And how do you feel after? It's probably never as as bad or as negative as you make it out to be when you actually have had that food and you actually honor yourself and actually give yourself that, that food that you actually want. It's rare enough. If guilt is there, it's guilt means you've done something wrong. And I'll belittle guilt as much as possible saying it's not in the constitution that you can't have a burger. Like, give yourself the foods that you want and enjoy and you'll probably live a more prosperous life no food in isolation can make anyone gain fat that's the biggest sentence and if that's your concern about you're going to put on weight or it's going to derail your week you have the control of resetting the next meal that's in your power you just outsource it to the food rather than taking control for yourself so you have the control you're looking for you also need to look at what control is giving you and what control will do for you and that's a big sentence which a lot of people struggle to answer as a little bit of digging, I would potentially, if that's a struggle for people, I would potentially go and talk to someone or get a coach that knows what they're fucking talking about. Um, but guys, thank you so much for, for coming on um, and sharing your rants. Thank you. <laughs> guys, if you've enjoyed the episode at all, please do tag us up on your story. Um, and we'll continue to do these as much as possible. If you have questions or topics that you want us to talk about, please send it in. If you want more female health, if you want weight loss, if you want getting away from kind of counting calories, slimmer clubs and stuff like that, HRT, which are some of the topics that we were going to talk about for stuck for time. So guys, I hope you enjoy the episode and thank you again for listening. Peace.